Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good. I won't, uh, I won't do what I did last time and launch into what I'm excited about. I'm going to instead launch into what everyone should be excited about, which is uh, Built Bar, among other things. Built Bars. Look at you. I dig that. Good work <laughs> by you right, right there. Built Bars uh, are good. Right Everything there. you say is right. It's good. They're good. They're legit good. And here's the thing, Jimmy, this, this, I'm not kidding. First of all, hashtag Built Bar. Go check them out at BuiltBar.com. I just had one for lunch. I'm, I'm, I'm not shitting you people. It, <laughs> I just had one, just that minute. Uh, right before this podcast, I had the double chocolate mousse. Oh, my God, it was so good. And it's one of those things where, like, I'm licking the inside of the wrapper. Whoa. Creepily licking the inside of the wrapper. It's pretty sad. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's delicious. It really is. Um, and you got to go check them out, BuiltBar.com, BuiltBar.com, hashtag BuiltBar. And uh, they they so many fewer carbs than like a Cliff Bar, like seven times fewer carbs or something. So if you're into counting carbs and you know that occasionally I am, um, then you know that this is a big deal to uh, if you're on like a keto diet or something like that, it's it's crucial. And then, of course, we want to thank our good friends over at NICO Sports, N-I-K-C-O Sports dot com go check them out for the two atungavailoa football it's only 99 dollars. you can buy it with uh, american currency or credit card or probably some other kind of currency i don't know but go check them out at nicosports.com and you can find this two atungavailoa football for 99 dollars, which you can purchase that has all its stats it's fully embossed it's full-sized it's got all kind of accolades and things like that from two on it our new favorite miami dolphin and it's only $99. And part of the proceeds go to the Alabama Make-A-Wish Foundation. So go check them out, nicosports.com, telling you heard about it on the Locked On podcast. So, Jimmy, one thing that you and I thought about we would do today is talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, we got Kane Williams to commit <coughs> Friday, and that was big. Uh, Alabama still is not ranked very highly in recruiting because we only have five commitments. But I think that's – that's pretty much okay. Um, Auburn had a big weekend. We can talk about that a little bit too. Uh, they had several commitments this past weekend, and so they moved up in rankings. But in terms of, uh, I think one thing to to notice is, you know, I have a lot of friends tell me, hey, don't look at star rankings, always look at offers. And I always say, hey, I mean, you can look at it any way you want to, but if you just look at offers, then what you need to also understand is some of those offers aren't really offers, like commitment Correct. offers. And, right. and so I think that that's not really a great way either. I think the best thing to do is just go with your gut sometimes and, and know, go with your instincts about what these things are telling you. For instance, Auburn is ranked number 21 in the nation in recruiting with an average star ranking of 90.71, according to 24-7 sports. Alabama, you know, you look here and they're ranked number 42 in recruiting. You're like, oh, my God, we're only 42 but their average ranking is 94.08. This is significantly higher. And um, I, I don't think anybody in the world would, would say, uh, yeah, Alabama fan would want to trade classes with an Auburn fan right now. I'm just using Auburn for an example. Yeah. But uh, they have Georgia at number 18, and, and their average star ranking is uh, – or average ranking is 94.54. I mean, they're tearing it up, and they're still only 18th in the country because you look at somebody like Tennessee with 21 commits, 
and, and everybody goes, oh, they're number two in the country. Yeah, but their average rank is 89.73. <laughs> it, it makes a difference when you look at it that way. Oh, absolutely. And there's, you know, a couple of things frustrating, and I mean, you know, in, in terms of, you know, we, we want our fans, the, the listeners of our show, just to be better educated about the recruiting process and recruiting rankings. There's a lot of moving parts to recruiting rankings and, and reading into offers and reading into stuff. But one thing I want, you know, regardless of let, let's talk about the Auburn commits this weekend uh, that are new names to Alabama people, because we weren't involved with any of these people. We weren't involved with the quarterback. We weren't involved with the linemen that, that committed there. The, these are new names to, to, to Alabama fans. That in no way means these kids are bad football players. In fact, this is who Auburn wanted, right or wrong. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. No one is on their B list. I mean, it's not even June. <laughs> no one is on their B list. No, Auburn did not have a single meeting this weekend or before this weekend where they went, oh, crap, we got to take the, that tack, those two tackles from Florida. We got to take them now. No, this is who they wanted. Now, and they're going to be some fairly smart football people on that staff. <laughs> this is who they wanted. Now, will they pan out? Will they be great players? That's all yet to be seen. But, uh, but no, they're not particularly highly ranked. The quarterback, which I think is the most interesting uh, kid that committed to Auburn, now he's he's highly ranked. As a matter of fact, he's ranked right about the spot where Kane Williams is ranked, maybe even a little higher. Um, he, he had a lot of interest. He had a lot of good offers, apparently. Quarterback offers have to be looked at differently than all other positions because the position is recruited differently. Why? Because there's only one of them. There's only one quarterback on the field most teams only take one quarterback in a class and it's the position that kind of goes off the board quickly. You sort of want your quarterback early. It kind of helps you recruit the other spots. Um, you know, this was a kid that, that a lot of programs were looking at and Hey, being a big program, second choice and quarterback means you're pretty good. I mean, everybody wants their, their choice, and then and, and then they kind of go down the list from there. But but this is a, a pretty highly recruited, good athlete from Texas. He is no doubt a Chad Morris hand-selected guy. Chad Morris has extensive Texas ties. Uh, he's going to know that situation well and have a lot of friends in coaching there. Uh, what's interesting to me, Luke, is just, you know, this is going to be Chad Morris's offense for the foreseeable future, and, and I think it's the best look. Here is a real – take a peek under the hood, look at what Auburn's offense is going to be under Chad Morris. He, he went and signed an athlete. Now, don't be confused and say, oh, this kid is Nick Marshall. Well, he's going to be athletic like Nick Marshall, but this kid is a passer. He wouldn't have, you know, 20 quarterback offers if, if he was a defensive back playing quarterback. Now, this is a, this is a quarterback, but he's very athletic. He's not just, you know, like Jalen is a quarterback who is pretty damn athletic. But I wouldn't say people are really wrong about Jalen if they looked at him and say, oh, he could, he could play wide receiver or DB in the SEC. No, he can't. He's not that athletic. He's just really athletic for a quarterback. This kid is a better athlete than Jalen. Now, I'm guessing he won't prove to be a passer that's going to be good enough to go in the second round of the draft like Jalen developed into. Um, so it's just interesting to me in terms of the type of quarterback, a 5'11 athlete 
Um, I, and again, I didn't know for sure what they would do with Chad Morse uh, in that offense, but this is the best look. This is what they want. They want to spread. They want a highly athletic quarterback. They want to be heavy on RPOs. And what they didn't want is the traditional six foot four quarterback uh, who's going to sit back in the pocket and throw the ball downfield and hurt you that way. Uh, they, they, they didn't go in that direction. They went in the, we want a superb athlete who can run the RPO and the fact he can throw it pretty good as gravy, as opposed to we want a guy who can throw the hell out of it. And if he can run, that's gravy. Um, so I think that's interesting. Good pickup for Auburn and an interesting look at what Chad Morris is going to try to do at Auburn. It's also fair to assume Chad Morris is going to try to do that this year at Auburn. And he has a fairly athletic guy in Bo Nix. Yeah, and Bo Nix can, I mean, he is a, a, not a running quarterback, but he can run. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. The reason we kind of bring up Auburn is funny. We had some uh, folks tweet at us after the last podcast that, it was funny that at the end there was actually an advertisement for Locked On Auburn um, <laughs> on our podcast. Which, hey, Good. there goes Auburn again, riding our coattails. But uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. Those were good. It's the best way to keep up with Auburn. Hey, we want to keep yeah, up with Auburn. I'd encourage all of our fans to listen to all the Locked Ons that focus on our every year opponents. We play Auburn every year. A and M, LSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. We play them every year. We play Tennessee every year. Those are the programs that we really should keep up with because that's who we compete against every year. In the NFL draft, if you're, for instance, just to pick a team, the Saints, you have to really pay attention to who's on the roster in Atlanta, Tampa Bay, and Carolina because you play them twice. You play no one else twice, but you play Atlanta, Carolina, and Tampa Bay twice. So you better keep up with who's on their roster and build your own roster as a way to combat what they're doing. Uh, the exact same thing in college football. You look at who do we play every single year, and then those programs become the most important programs in terms of, you know, when you're looking at recruiting and you're looking at, you know, who are they signing, who are we signing to combat what they're doing. That's why we talk about how interesting it is that Auburn is doing what they're doing with that athletic quarterback because this is, this, is, this is the enemy. The enemy is who you play every year. We're not going to change how we recruit because we're playing Southern Cal, you know, or maybe, maybe not. But we're not going to change how we recruit because we have one game against Southern Cal. But we will change what we're doing as it relates to Auburn, LSU, Tennessee. These are the teams we play every single year. So listen to and their I mean, locked you might be able to throw. Yeah, and I would just for the heck of it listen to Georgia's locked on because yes. it seems like every time we're in the SEC championship game now, it's always against Georgia. So uh, probably not a bad idea to uh, to listen to Georgia's locked on as well. Yep, and uh, man, uh, that, that gets me off on something else. But uh, one thing I want to talk about soon, if we can't get to it today, is uh, even though the summer magazines haven't come out yet, really a lot of prediction shows haven't happened yet. I'm sensing a ton of momentum in the. Florida will be better than Georgia camp, which is a little surprising to me, but I'm also not totally ruling that out. Um, I'm just sensing a lot of momentum there from experts I've heard talk and Gene Chizik was on SEC now this week. And I think there's some momentum in the, the Florida, maybe the SEC media and virtual media days might Florida to win the East. 
That'll be interesting. Well, you bring up, I mean, look, there's something we can go into here for the second part of the podcast. Um, has Georgia missed their window? And look, it sounds stupid to say that because they have been recruiting as well as anybody of late. Uh, they've been recruiting in the top one, two, three teams uh, the last four or five years, right? So they got plenty of talent. Right. We know this. They got a lot of NFL talent. We know this. Um, but, you know, at the same time, they they had Alabama dead to rights in Tua's famous game. They had them dead to rights. They had them. They had, they had the championship essentially won. Um, then they, the, the, they do things here lately, like lose to South Kakalaki. I mean, are, are you kidding me? Um, that was stunning. Still stunning. And then they, you know, and then they go and they play LSU this year and they get humiliated. Now, LSU beat a lot of good teams this year. <clears throat> they humiliated, um, you know, Oklahoma. They humiliated Clemson. Um, they went on the road and beat Alabama. They, they they beat Auburn, which had one of their best defenses uh, in recent memory. But they they really just beat up on Georgia. And, I mean, it really wasn't that close. I mean, Burrow toyed with them. So, I guess, I, I, I think it is fair to wonder, did you – the window on winning championships is not always wide open. It's always cracked for teams like Alabama and Oklahoma and Ohio State. And now Clemson could be included in that. But you have a team like Auburn. You think about 2010, for instance. The window was was opened up more than ever for them. It was open. And they they give them credit. They went through it. In 2013, uh, the window wasn't open at first, but it got open as the season went on. Um, and then they, you know, they got a little help from uh, the window breaking when Michigan State upset Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. People forget that. Auburn wasn't going to the play in the championship game if, if Michigan State doesn't beat Ohio State that year in the Big Ten championship game. They, it was right. going to be Ohio State, Florida State. Um, <clears throat> so I think that you know, Auburn has been has had more fortuitous bounces. I mean, that's they get that voodoo. We know that. And they they but they have taken advantage when their window has come open. They have gone through it more often than not. Meanwhile, Georgia, it seems like they've had these windows and they just by nature, by being the state school in one of the most fertile recruiting areas in the country, they by nature have a larger window with greased hinges and they still can't get it to open all the way to enough to get through and you wonder if this thing has closed again that this thing has a momentum uh your, your ability to win a championship has a momentum and it seems like georgia's is closing more and more and while their recruiting is getting better uh, or e even better than one or two in the country i mean it's getting as good as it can get um i would argue that it also takes a special group of players or and or a special coach who can mold each individual team into their own personality. Saban is obviously one of those guys. I think Dabo has become one of those guys. But, you know, is uh, do we really think Kirby Smart is like that special of a coach? Because here's the thing. Managing the egos of a bunch of five stars is just as important as getting the five stars in the first place. 
That's all true, and, 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 I, and I think in terms of the, as particularly as it relates to the window you're talking about, I mean, look, if you're going to knock Alabama out, if you're like, okay, we're sick of seeing Alabama in the playoff every year, who's going to knock Alabama out? It's not going to be Clemson that you see in the playoff. It's not going to be Georgia that you may see in Atlanta. For Alabama, to, 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 for the dynasty to be over, that means someone in the West surpassed Alabama as the best program in the West whether that's LSU, whether it's Auburn, Texas A&M, whoever. But that's who's going to knock Alabama off. It's not going to be some team that you see in the playoff. Because to me, I, I would argue as long as Alabama's in the playoff, the dynasty's not over. But but if you're Georgia, here's where the window may be closing, if not already closed. For Georgia to be a national champion, for Georgia to be the dominant program in the SEC, their two hurdles are Florida and Tennessee. They've had 15 years or more of Tennessee being bad. That's a window. I mean, that's a window. That's, that's a, Tennessee's bad. You've got to take advantage of that. They have in the sense that they've beat the shit out of Tennessee routinely. But Tennessee, it, more importantly, is not getting players. All the players choosing between Georgia and Tennessee go to Georgia. That's what they've been doing. Now, I'm not so sure. Tennessee is beating Georgia for a player here and there. Who else is beating Georgia for players here and there? Look at the Florida Gators. Florida, very good team a year ago, double-digit wins. They won a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl, return a ton of starters, including an all-star quarterback, and are recruiting pretty well. And I bet most experts would tell you Dan Mullen will out-coach Kirby Smart in, in what you're talking about in terms of development of that talent, I think Dan Mullen may be a little more proven than, than Kirby Smart in that regard. So what I'm saying is, I agree with you, for, for a good two or three seasons there, Georgia really ruled the roost in the East. That may be coming to an end. Tennessee is getting better. Florida's getting better. That's going to hurt Georgia. Yeah, I think it definitely will hurt Georgia. Um, and that's what I mean by the window. I mean, it takes all this combination of events to be championship worthy, no matter how good you are. I mean, no matter how talented you are, is it takes a lot to 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 get into a position to uh, to, to play for a title. And um, Georgia's been very fortunate in that. I mean, I guess they they've been unfortunate in a sense in that. They they play Auburn from the West versus playing say Ole Miss from the West every year, but you know right. they've done Auburn. I mean Georgia's done a hell of a job beating up on Tennessee and Auburn. Who you know I, I guess with Florida they're three biggest rivals, and they've done a hell of a job really beating up on all three of them of late. It's it's the South Carolinas that sneak up on them. It's the you know not being able to keep a double digit lead against well, a flat Alabama. Alabama's team. been a problem for them. I would I would argue that. In Georgia, I know we, we joke everybody does. They haven't won a national championship since 1980. They were going to win the national championship if they beat Alabama in 2012, and they were going to be national champions, clearly, if they beat Alabama in 2017. I mean, they're not a three-time national champion since 1980 because Alabama. What also would have been interesting is when Georgia did win the national championship in 1980, they didn't have to beat Bear Bryant in Alabama. Maybe they wouldn't have. Well, in that sense, but I mean, I think it doesn't just go that way for football. I think it goes that way for everything. You think about, you know, the Bills maybe with Dallas 
or Marty Schottenheimer with anybody in the AFC championship game um, or, you know, shoot, watching the last dance. I mean, think about the Utah Jazz with the Bulls. I mean, if the Jazz have those those teams, those two teams in what, I guess, 97 and 98, if they have those two teams, say, in 2000 and 2001, instead of right there towards the end of Jordan's greatness, they easily win two NBA titles probably. Oh, yeah. It's about who your competition is at the time you're good. Think of a – boy, talk about a detour, but just think of this. I think the best two tennis players in the history of humankind, the best two tennis players ever, are Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Nadal's going for his 20th Grand Slam soon, and most people would say, well, he he would be the best ever if not for Federer, and Nadal's about to win his 20th. The next one is his 20th. So my point is – Imagine if only one of them had come along. How many Grand Slams would they have? 40? 40? If not for the other? I mean, uh, you, know, you know, their numbers are massive as is, but they've had to split all these titles between the two of them. And to some extent, Novak Djokovic, who came along just a bit later, uh, and Djokovic is, is a great player in his own right. But I'm just saying, uh, as, to, as to your point, those Utah Jazz could have been multi-year, multi-world champions, but uh, they were unfortunate to come along when uh, when Michael Jordan was the show in Chicago. All right, Jimmy, any other uh, recruiting tidbits out there? Uh, I just think, you know, Kane Williams, we talked a lot about Kane Friday. I hope everybody's figured out we were so optimistic about Kane because we were really, really sure that was going to happen. That's not the case all the time. But uh, Kane Williams, really good pickup. Uh, I made a tweet about this this weekend that I think really holds up true the more I watch Kane. Uh, I'm not comparing him to Isaiah Simmons. That's crazy because Isaiah Simmons is a historically transcendent talent, you know, who wins a Buckus Award and gets drafted that high. And even though he's sort of new, it's a new idea that an inside linebacker at his size can be drafted that high. That's new to, to, to pro football. Well, Kane Williams may or may not become a linebacker. I don't know. And it really doesn't matter because what we're sort of moving into in terms of what did defenses, what have defenses found to defend against the RPO and and the modern spread offense in college football? And the answer to that is what I call positionless football. It's players you can spread the field with on defense that have all the skill sets. They can cover receivers. They can hit like safeties. They can play in the box like linebackers because they're they're big and strong enough to be physical, good tacklers in the box. They can line up outside and blitz and be really good at it. It's the positionless defender, the defender that can really do everything. And you put two or three of those guys on the field, now you're a spread defense. Now, now the offense has to be concerned about where those guys are because they're all over the field and they can do anything. Kane Williams is sort of that guy. He can, he, he's got cover skills. He can play safety. He can play man defense on some players. He's big enough to play in the box. He'll be a very difficult problem blocking off the edge on a blitz. Um, we're talking about a guy who may end up being in the 215 or 220 power range with cover skills. So I'm not saying that Kane Williams is Isaiah Simmons. That's silly. I'm saying he's like him in the sense that here's a kid who's a candidate for this new positionless football. 
And uh, I, I think it's a trend we're going to continue to see. And Jaquincy McKinstry came out with the top five. Of course, Alabama's on it, along with uh, the usual suspects like LSU, Auburn, and I can't remember who else. Maybe Clemson, Clemson and Georgia. LSU, uh, Auburn, Clemson, um, Georgia. We've got a good shot. we got a good shot with Kool-Aid. Um, I, I, I'm, two things. I, I would admit, I think Alabama's the favorite at this point. I mean, if we have to bet, if you, if you force us, okay, everybody's got to bet. I'm going to bet on Alabama. But uh, there's too much optimism, though. I mean, when I read the social media and the message boards, and now it's, oh, it's a lock, it's a given, he's going to Alabama. You, you people are way too optimistic. I assure you Nick Saban and the staff don't look at it that way at all. Um, they're working their butt off uh, on Jaquincy, and uh, you're just going to have to sell him on the scheme and sell him that he will be allowed to play basketball and be a two-sport guy. And uh, trust me, this isn't – a consideration that Nick Saban used to be on board with. I, I think Nick is, has to, to be on board with it, and, and it's new for him. We've never had a football basketball player at Alabama uh, that's played both for, you know, throughout his career, which is apparently what's going to happen with Kool-Aid. Um, really interesting uh, recruitment and, and a must-get for Alabama. Corner's a neat position in the class. He, he may be. Uh, on the short list of, of the very best cornerback prospects in, in the United States. I don't think there's any doubt. I love that guy. I mean, I do. I'd, I'd love him to play basketball, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'd love it either way. Um, to wrap everything up, I, I got to ask you this. Did you watch the last dance last night? I have seen, I did not watch last night. I have taped and I have watched all the way up through episode seven. We're actually planning on watching episodes eight and nine tonight and episode 10 later in the week. So I'm behind on it, but I have watched the full first seven and I love it just like the rest of the country. I think it's been incredible TV. I've loved every second of it. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm not going to really ruin much of anything important to you, but it, it's kind of important. Um, the infamous flu game Jordan was in, right. I guess it was 97, if you remember against the Jazz. Yeah. I, I never knew this and maybe other people knew it. And I, I don't know. I just always assumed it was the flu. Well, turns out the story goes, and this was told by several people in the documentary. It was the night before the game about 1030. And for some reason, Jordan was hungry and they're in Utah. And the, to, the way the guy said it, there was nothing open. And, you know, I don't know if Utah just shuts down at 10 o'clock. I don't know what the hell. Probably. But Probably. They said they found one pizza joint open. So they called them and they ordered a pizza. And when the pizza came, you know, at about 11 something, they said it was weird because five guys delivered it. Not five guys, burgers and fries, like five actual people delivered it. And they kept looking in the room because apparently they knew it was four, which I have a lot of questions there. I mean, when you're Mike Jordan and you order a pizza, why don't you say my name is Jekyll Morton? I mean, or, or something, you know, why yeah. would you say I'm Michael Jordan? And they go, you're Michael Jordan? Yeah, that Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, and, and well, anyway, so his agent or somebody, not his agent, it was a business manager or whatever. He said, I had a bad feeling about this pizza. <laughs> And I mean, it's always a bad sign when you got a bad feeling about what you're about to eat and you eat it anyway. And they said, Jordan's the only one that ate it. Like nobody else had any pizza. And Jordan's like, yeah, I'm the only one that had any. And he said at 3.30, he woke up, doubled over in pain, sweating the bed out, throwing up, you know, 
everything coming out of everywhere. He said it was just awful. And so the infamous flu game wasn't a flu. It was food poisoning. And the question is, in my mind, did the pizza people put something on there to make him sick? And, you know, if that that's probably something that's got to be investigated. I mean, I, you'll never know. But I mean, I find now. that to be. I, don't, I find it to be kind of funny um, because it actually kind of backfired and only in, added to the legend that is Michael Jordan. Because frankly, I've had I've had the flu and the flu sucks. And I've always wondered, like, Jordan didn't really have the flu because the flu will right. knock you back in your watch pocket. But and there's no way you can play a basketball game. I don't care how many IVs you got. You can't play a basketball game with the flu like in the middle at the beginning of the flu. Like but food poisoning, and I've had that too, and I've had that recently. You will hallucinate, and I did. I hallucinated. I, I, I felt like I was asleep when I wasn't asleep. I felt like I was awake when I was asleep. It was crazy. Um, yeah. But I think if I had enough IVs, I think I could at least get around and operate. You know, mm. but like the only thing I could do with food poisoning about a year and a half ago was have enough energy to run to the bathroom to throw up. That's all I that's all energy I had. And then when I got done throwing up, I would like crawl back to the bed. Um, and I was sweating like nobody's business. And I think that's what Jordan had. And I think that's it's I don't care if there's a flu or food poisoning, it's pretty damned incredible. What it's an amazing did. it's an amazing story, and I'm with you hundred percent. I mean, I realize I'm not saying I'm I wouldn't rank my physical or mental toughness within the same universe as Michael Jordan. He's on you know, he's on Mercury. I'm on Pluto, you know, as far as, you know, he's a much tougher human being than me. I'm just saying when I had food poisoning and, and I had much, much like you, mom was only, I think three years ago, two to three years ago. No, I couldn't have played basketball 24 hours after it. I couldn't have made it to the front. If, if I was told, okay, you need to go to the hospital now, they'd have had to come pick me up. Because I couldn't have even made it to the hospital. I mean, I was as sick. I've been really sick four times my whole life. Thank God, knock on wood, you know, so far in my whole life. I've been sick, really sick four times with four different things. Flu, I mean, verified flu, pneumonia, food poisoning, and then I had a tonsil abscess when I was 18. I had to take my tonsils out and then an emergency surgery kind of thing. Those four times that I was sick, I was sick as hell. There, there was no getting up and playing basketball. That wouldn't have even, it wasn't even remotely even possible. And, and again, I'm not comparing myself to Michael. Michael's a thousand times tougher than me, but it just would have been impossible. So I think Michael had food poisoning. I don't think he had the food poisoning me and you had. I think he had a level of food poisoning that was really, really bad. And they probably put Visine on his pizza or some shit like that you know, which would make you sick as hell. But he couldn't have had the same food poisoning me and you had, and I had my food poisoning. Hey, Jimmy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can yeah. You hear me I, you're, you're cutting out. It's like you're doing uh it's like your little John. 
I mean, you're <laughs> auto-tuning your voice. It's pretty incredible. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just okay, but anyway, that's we'll that. cut it right here. But I do want to remind everybody, first of all, go check out The Last Dance. And, Jimmy, we can talk about it next podcast. But also want to remind everybody about Built Bar. Go check out BuiltBar.com and also Nyko Sports. Nyko Sports, $99 to a total of a little football. You can't beat it. You can beat an egg. You can beat a bush. You can't beat $90 for a two a tongue of Iowa football. Look, if if Tua Tungovailoa had signed with an X a scratch piece of cardboard, you would pay $99 for it. These guys are talking about a Tua Tungovailoa football with all of his stats on it, with his picture on it, it's fully embossed, is beautiful, and the, some of the proceeds go to the Alabama Make-A-Wish Foundation for $99. So go do it. Quit early Christmas present. Early Christmas present. That's all. That's Nico Sports. Nico Sports dot com. Nico Sports dot com. And my boy Julio will hook you up. All right, Jimmy. That'll do it for this episode. And we will be back on Wednesday. So roll tide, everybody. Roll tide. <laughs>